I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. What's going on, y'all? Welcome into a very special edition of The Hangout in the Holy Land, the flagship podcast for the land-grant Holy Land network of podcasts. My name is Colton Denning, and I am your host, coming to you on the first day of December. And folks, we have got a very fun show for you today. We are here to talk about Ohio State's 56-27 win over Michigan in the game yesterday, Ohio State's Eight straight win over Michigan, clinching an undefeated regular season, and putting a cap on really what I, I think it, at this point is maybe inarguable isn't the best word, but in my estimation, very clearly uh, puts a cap on the best regular season that any Ohio State team has ever had, including including the greatest Ohio State teams. This one is just at another level, and to, to punctuate it with a 29-point win over Michigan on the road is something truly special. So we, we have a lot to get to today, and we're going to talk about that here in a second. And before we do that, I just want to let all of the new listeners and old listeners know uh, where to find the show, and that is on Apple Podcasts. Just search Land Grant and Holy Land, you can find the Hangout in the Holy Land and every other episode we do here at Land Grant and Holy Land there. And follow along on Spotify. Just search Land Grant and Holy Land, click that follow button, and every new episode we have of all of our podcasts will pop up into your feed right there. And on Apple, if you enjoy the show, please leave a comment, leave a review, uh, leave a star rating, let us know what we can do to make the show better. And follow along with the Hangout in the Holy Land on Twitter, at Holy Land Pod. We usually do. Uh, I usually ask for those uh, reactions and comments after each game, but I knew that there was just going to be a ton to get to today, so I'm not going to do it for this one because, uh, honestly, I'm being selfish. I have stuff that I want to get off my chest about this game and this Ohio State team, but we're going to bring that back for uh, the Big Ten Championship game against Wisconsin. Got the rematch, so we'll have all of that content coming your guys' way. Uh, we'll, t- we'll talk about that one on Wednesday and, of course, do the recap episode for that after they play the Badgers in the Big Ten title game on Saturday. Okay, let, let's talk about what we saw yesterday. Um, I, I don't want to be revisionist, and I, I, I do want to know how you guys felt about this one beforehand, but before not every Ohio State game, but some of the bigger ones... 
you you kind of think like, okay, th- this is how I'm feeling about this game. This is what I think is going to happen. And th- there was something on Friday night where I was going to bed, and it, it was really late. I went to bed at like 3 in the morning Pacific time, and I just there was a feeling in my stomach that like, they're going to beat the hell out of these dudes tomorrow. I don't know how. I don't know why. But they are going to crush Michigan. And I, I don't want anyone to get the wrong idea that Michigan didn't play well and didn't have moments in this game where, where they were in it because they certainly were. They basically, I don't know if they outplayed Ohio State in the first quarter, but they played right with them. It was 14-13 after the first quarter, and Michigan was moving the ball on offense and having success throwing. Shea Patterson started off the game extremely hot. Michigan went right down the field on their first drive, 70-yard drive seven plays and it looked like oh it it felt like the 2013 game of like okay we're gonna have to score 50 to win this game and they they did score 56 but the defense kind of leveled off as as the game went on but there was just something about this where where I felt like okay uh Ohio State's gonna blow these guys out and as soon as J.K. Dobbins had had that ball drop out of his hands and it just came back right up to him on the 34 yard run on the first drive that's when I was like, all right, this this is going to be their day. And really, from that first drive on, the offense was spectacular. And they were able to do basically anything they wanted. And we're going to talk about them at, at length here. But before we get to individual stuff, I, I just have some big takeaways from this game that, that I came away with that I'm just I'm so impressed about. And that's really the theme here for this show is how impressed I am with this team, not only with what we saw from this game, but just the whole season for Ohio State. And a lot of talk afterwards has been about, you know, whether this is still a rivalry or why Ohio State continues to beat Michigan. We're, we're basically at a 20-year mark where Ohio State has dominated the rivalry. And the logical answer is the talent gap. Ohio State recruits better than anyone. And there's just been a flood of articles to reiterate that. There was Jim Harbaugh's comments to the question after the game. And that's that's obvious. Ohio State is more talented than Michigan. But I do put a lot of stock into the fact that Ohio State in this game, for whatever reason, is always more hungry. And that's something that I said on Twitter afterwards, was that Ohio State has punched Michigan in the mouth for almost 20 years straight. And it's not like Michigan has just been a doormat for those 20 years. There's been times like in the Rich Rodriguez era and early in the Brady Hoke era and later in the Brady Hoke era where they weren't very good, but Michigan's been pretty good under Jim Harbaugh. They were pretty good with Lloyd Carr and under Jim Tressel, Urban Meyer, and Ryan Day. Ohio State's just brought the fight to them. And even games where Michigan was an underdog, I've never felt like Ohio State has slept on them. Even when you look back at a game like 2013, that was less, well, Ohio State's just really sleepwalking through this one and more like, okay, Michigan came to play. They're ready to go. They have a good game plan. I'd never feel like Ohio State sleepwalks through this game. Even when we were trashing Urban Meyer for not being ready to play Iowa or to play Purdue, even when Michigan wasn't good, and even when they are good, Ohio State never sleeps on them. And that was something we were wondering about with Ryan Day. You know, how is how is he gonna 
handle this game and and how is his approach going to be different from what was basically a maniacal approach from Urban Meyer and not only coaching in general but for this game and the focus on it every single day not just the X's and O's or how they match up with Michigan but recruiting who's on Michigan's recruiting board how do they stack up with Ohio State this is a rivalry that this coaching staff and previous coaching staffs going back to Jim Trestle have said this is something we think about every day. And not once have I ever thought, oh, that's bullshit. They're just saying that because it's the rivalry. No, I, I, I truly believe that this is something that they talk about every day. And even though Ohio State was 11-0, and coming into the big house on the road, already clinched the division, they basically, not that they have nothing to play for, because you can't afford to lose. You can't afford to leave anything in the playoff committee's hands, especially if you're Ohio State and they haven't been given or they haven't given themselves the benefit of the doubt the last two seasons. You know, you got to win your games. And this is another chance to have a marquee victory over a top 15 team. But we've seen other teams stumble into a situation like this and just falter because they weren't hungry enough. That's not the case with this team. That's not the case with this program in this rivalry. They come into this game ready to play every single year. And, and I almost love it more when they play on the road because there's that even more, there's an added element of hostility in playing on the road at Michigan on their senior day and the fact that you've ruined it so many times over the last 15 plus years and Ohio State did it again. So, Overall, I, I'm just so impressed with the hunger from this program when it comes to playing Michigan and just how serious they approach it. Because I, I said on Twitter as well, and I think it was the same thing, so forgive me, but you know, Michigan could win this game two years in a row, and, and you would start to hear their fans approach it the way they approached the Michigan State game when they win a couple games in a row. Like, oh, cool, yeah, you guys are our rival, whatever. We still play Notre Dame. Uh, we still play Michigan State. We, we still play other teams. Yeah, that's okay. We know you guys hate us. Whatever, go away. Ohio State has dominated this series for almost two decades, and they still approach it like they've been getting their ass kicked in the 90s, mid-John Cooper. So I, I'm just, I'm so impressed with, how they approach this game and the hunger every single year because yeah the talent is the most important part Ohio State is definitely more talented than Michigan they're better coached they execute better which which we saw a lot yesterday especially on special teams outside of the Garrett Wilson fumble of course but they out execute Michigan every single year and to add to that point they just seem like they take this game as Justin Fields said post game way more seriously than Michigan and I think that that counts for a lot. Uh, the, the second thing that I'm impressed with, and this is kind of just an offshoot of that, is Ryan Day and the way that Ryan Day handles things in-game. And I, I can't say that I know enough about what he does defensively and, and how big of a role that he has in, in making defensive changes. So I, I probably will just skip over that, even though I did think that after really after the first quarter, the midpoint of the, the second quarter, Ohio State's defense settled down their obvious weaknesses, which we'll talk about it. I'm sure you know where we'll go with that one. But I even thought the defense adjusted very well because after scoring 13 points in the first quarter, Michigan scored three in the second, three in the third, and eight in the fourth. And Ohio State was able to make some havoc plays, get Michigan off the field, and have a lucky bounce too with the, the shape 
the Shea Patterson play, which they were able to uh, to fall on. But I thought they improved as the game went on. But when it comes to offense, I, I'm just I'm so continually impressed with what Ryan Day does and how he schemes things up, how he's able to manage a game, and how he's able to put his players in advantageous situations and give them the best opportunity to succeed. And coming off the Penn State game where all of us were a little wary of, of how they called that game later on when they when they got the lead and some of the conservative nature, uh, th- there was none of that against Michigan. And, and I felt like they, they didn't even have an answer to what Michigan was doing because Michigan never challenged them to find the answer. They, j- they just had a great game plan and they kept it simple. They didn't overthink it. They knew that they could bully Michigan up front along the offensive line in between the tackles. They did that. They they gave J.K. Dobbins the ball in space, not just handing it off to him, but a couple of nice pass plays. There was that uh, there was that route over the middle. I think it was on the first drive on the third and fourteen where Dobbins caught the ball and just absolutely juked one of Michigan's secondary guys. Got the first down. Uh, the the first drive in the second half where Fields kind of threw the throwback screen to him and he got twenty plus yards. So they they put J.K. Dobbins in great position to succeed yesterday with those two hundred eleven rushing yards and about 50 yards receiving two catches for 49 yards. Um, So I I love that. And I thought Ryan Day did a great job of not only scheming and doing the X's and O's stuff, but in individual situations, putting those guys in places to succeed, whether it was uh, the deep balls to Chris Olave, um, some of the routes for Austin Mack, the touchdown uh, catch for Austin Mack where he caught the little inside screen and then ran through and ran over a Michigan player uh, on the goal line. Um, there was Garrett Wilson who broke out with the three catches for 118 yards. They just they threw the ball up to him. He was able to go up and go get it, and that was a wonderful play by a true freshman. He's he's going to be a stud, and that's something Patrick and I talked about on the preview. This was his breakout performance, even even with the muff punt. Garrett Wilson has the goods and, and he's a he's a game breaker for them and as much as I talk about Chris Olave being the guy and he really is and he could have had a bigger day if he didn't drop what was probably an e- easy touchdown pass from Justin Fields Garrett Wilson adds such a dimension of playmaking to this offense that's uh, that's just special and at this point he's only going to get better I can't wait to see him after what 15 bowl practices leading up to hopefully the playoff because he's already just such a dude. So offense in general, what Ryan Day is able to do, it's it's really amazing. He is a great offensive coach, and, and I think that he adjusts as good as anyone in the game right now. Along that same front, we've talked about it a little bit this year, but we really got to give them their praise for this game. The offensive line, they, they've been so maligned and rightfully so up until this season and even as the Penn State game wore on it felt a little bit more like what we saw in 2017 where the the run game was good but they weren't opening up holes like you would expect from an Ohio State offensive line they totally rectified that against Michigan because they just they beat their ass up front there's no other way to say it other than that they physically mauled Michigan's front they were bigger they were more agile they were faster. Anything, any descriptor you can think of, they were just better than Michigan's front. And the holes weren't massive, but the holes were good enough 
to be able to get a guy like J.K. Dobbins. That's all he needs. And the, the way that they were able to run not only north and south, but laterally along the goal line where you know they would flow right and J.K. Dobbins can just pick a hole. He can pick and choose where he wants to go. I, I thought that that was something they did really well yesterday. Uh, 50 carries for the offense, 264 yards, over five yards a carry and, and four touchdowns, four of those coming from J.K. Dobbins. Just a, a remarkable performance by them. They, they were so good and they deserve so much credit for not only being good yesterday, but just improving over the course of not just the, the calendar season, but from what we saw last year, what we saw in 2017 and 2016, they've been amazing. So offensive line deserves credit. They're a really big part of what this team does. And J.K. Dobbins has a, a semi-legitimate shot at getting to 2,000 rushing yards. He's at 1657, I think right now with at least two games to go, possibly three. So hopefully it's three and hopefully he gets to it because I think that would just be a feather in the cap, not only for Dobbins, but for uh, this offensive front in general and the wide receivers too with how they block. Um, pr- pretty special. So offensive line was great yesterday. And the same same can go for J.K. Dobbins. Just what a, what a stud. What an absolute stud. 31 carries, 211 yards, four touchdowns. Coming into that Penn State game last week, he had only had either three or four games with over with 25 or more carries. In the last two weeks, he's been a beast. He's absolutely carried this team on his back. Whenever they needed yards, they were able to trust J.K. Dobbins to get them. And uh, his improvement over the course of the season, he's he seems like he's getting better every single week. And just the, the last two games with what he's been able to do, 36 carries for 157 yards and two touchdowns against Penn State, and 31 carries for 211 yards, four touchdowns against Michigan. Uh, this is why he had 12 carries against Maryland, or only 17 carries against Rutgers, or eight carries against Miami of Ohio. They've been able to keep him fresh for this stretch run, and now you're starting to see the, the fruits of that, keeping J.K. Dobbins fresh. He has just looked tremendous, and the, the running game in general and what he does and the return of his explosive ability has taken this offense up to the next level because their running is as good as they ever have. And uh, it's with, with what they do in the passing game, it opens everything up. And J.K. Dobbins is just a very special running back. And I really hope that he has another big game against Wisconsin. And that's that's enough to push him to New York because he, he deserves it. I'm going to take a quick break and uh, we're going to hear from some sponsors. I'm, I'm rambling a little bit because I'm so excited about this one and there's a lot to get to. But I'm going to continue talking about what I've been impressed with. And uh, we're going to talk about somebody else that probably deserves to go to New York with what they showed against Michigan yesterday. So stay tuned for that. We're talking Ohio State, Michigan here on the Hangout in the Holy Land. We'll be right back. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. 
What's up, guys? Welcome back into the Hangout in the Holy Land. We're talking all things Ohio State's 56-27 win in the game yesterday over Michigan. Ohio State's eighth straight win in the game. How, how good how good does that feel? It's just, that's, it's almost, no matter how many times it happens, winning against Michigan is just, it's so sweet. And for me, I'm, I'm 29 years old, and I can really remember getting into Ohio State football and, and really just watching Ohio State football. Probably the 2001 game when they went on the road. Jonathan Wells, I think, scored a couple of touchdowns. But that's really my first memory that I can, I can think back and, oh, I remember that game, and that's when I fell in love with Ohio State football. So for me, this rivalry has been nothing but Ohio State just dominating Michigan. And the way that I feel about them has never changed despite that success. And I, I can only imagine, for those of you who were really around in the 90s and, and had to live through that, how unbelievable this era feels for y'all. Like, it, it's got to be something special. But I, I've really never known anything but Ohio State dominating this rivalry. And, and it just it never gets old. And, you know, people can say, oh, it's it's not a rivalry anymore. But the most special thing about it is that Ohio State has dominated to this extent. And every single year, we just I, we get that pit in our stomach of just thinking about how much we hate Michigan. And, and that's just it's so special. So we're talking about the game, everything involved with it. And I, I'm talking about some of the things that I was I've been impressed with from Ohio State and, and what I saw yesterday that, that I really loved. And I, I talked about the way that they approach the game, um, how Ryan Day approaches it, how Ryan Day uh, is was so good with X's and O's yesterday and putting players in positions to succeed. Uh, the offensive line, their big day, J.K. Dobbins, his huge day. We got to talk about Justin Fields because on the surface, you look at Justin Fields' numbers and they were, they were pretty good. Threw for 302 yards, four touchdowns, no interceptions, the completions where it was kind of feast or famine, he looked really shaky early on in those first couple of drives, and I thought it helped that they were able to lean on the run and, and run well because if they weren't, I, I don't I don't think they would have been in trouble, but it definitely looked like Justin Fields was he was a little gun shy at first, but he eased his way into the game and the completions were, were huge. So he was fourteen of twenty five for 302 yards, 14 completions for 302 yards. That tells you what kind of damage they were able to do. But just beyond that, beyond the the throws to Chris Olave, even the one that he dropped the throw to Garrett Wilson, a couple of the throws to Austin Mack. Um, my, my biggest takeaway with Justin Fields, not just in this game, but really all season long, he is one of the toughest sons of bitches that has ever played at Ohio State. And that that's saying something. And for a guy who's in his just played his twelfth game at Ohio State, maybe that's a little bit of hyperbole and, and too much praise. But it, it came out after the game that I think it was after the game. I don't remember this happening because Ryan Day doesn't disclose injuries that he had sprained his MCL against Penn State on that that last play where we all thought like, oh boy, this is this is not good. But he sprained his MCL in that game, and then he re-sprained it on the play that he got rolled up on. And when that happened, I'm sure a lot of you felt the same way that I did. Like, that's a knee. He's done this season as good as it is. And I think they were up 35-16 to 16 at that point in the third quarter. 
like this season might be over and this is this is kind of how it ends and that was a really sinking feeling for i think six plays in there justin fields like i get the updates on twitter like oh justin fields is walking with his helmet on justin fields is coming back into the game and first play he they call a pass play one which like ryan day the the gall the nerve the the balls the sheer cojones to call that play when Justin Fields comes back into the game on a second and 10 late in the third quarter and for him to scramble out of the pocket and make that throw that he did to Garrett Wilson and put it on the money in the corner of that end zone. The the throw itself, it was just otherworldly. It's unbelievable. It, it shows you what type of talent Justin Fields is. And by the way, he's still getting better. There's a, there's a lot of areas for him to improve on. And, and I think that we saw early in the game, like Patrick said on the preview, he still is understanding or getting to the point of understanding different looks and exotic looks. And that's something that I'm a little worried about if Ohio State makes the playoff and has to play somebody like, say, Clemson. But for a first-year quarterback, what he's doing is unbelievably impressive. And, and beyond all of those things, making the plays on the field – his toughness is just otherworldly. He he looks like he's made out of titanium. He must be made out of titanium to take some of the shots that he's taken this year and to get back up and continue to not only play but to play physically. He has never played scared. I I don't I can't recall a time this season where I thought like, "Oh, Justin Fields looks timid." There may be times where it looks like he's trying to understand what's going on, but I've never thought, like, he looks shook out there. Justin Fields looks scared. He looks scared of getting injured. No, he he came back on the field and just stood in the pocket. And when the pocket collapsed, he got out of it and he made plays. And we we just have to give Justin Fields some props for for being really a tough son of a bitch. Um, That that was impressive. And for, for him to do that, is that that's where you go from damn this guy's really good to okay Justin Fields is starting to build a legendary legacy at Ohio State in his his first season he, we've we've got at least one more which is unbelievable but he he's starting to get to that legend status and, and these are the type of games to build that and you do stuff like that and you throw for 37 touchdowns and one interception. You throw for four touchdowns on the road with no interceptions against Michigan and, and come back off the bench six plays after it looked like your season was over. That's that's where legends are made. And Justin Fields is just, he's a brick shithouse is what Justin Fields is. That is the best way that I can say it. So those are the things that I'm impressed with. There's obviously more good stuff that we'll talk about from this game, but those were some of my main takeaways about um, this game and just stuff that, that I, I thought stood out to me and what was most impressive. Send me what, what you thought if you think I missed anything. I'm at Dubsco on Twitter, at Holy Land Pod on Twitter as well for the show, but we're not done by any means here talking about this game because there's a lot more to get to, and I think the next best place... To, to jump to is the defense and what we saw from them because it was a little hit or miss. It was more miss early on in the game and there were moments as the game went on, but I thought, like I said earlier, as the game k- progressed, uh, they, they got better and you could see some of the in-game adjustments. But it really starts with, at, at the outset of the game, we got the news that 
Sean Wade was going to be a game time decision, which going back to, to the Justin Fields thing, when you have a staff that basically discloses nothing, stuff like this just kind of hits you out of the blue. And I'm sure that they were prepared for it, but ultimately it looked like Sean Wade was going to play. He went through warmups. Everybody on the Ohio State beat kind of tweeted like, okay, he, he looks good to go. And then he, he was fully suited, but just sat on the sideline with that big red coat on the whole game and his absence was uh you could see how important Sean Wade is to this defense especially early on that was a, a massive absence it, it led to Amir Reap playing and he had his moments in the game he did also have an interception which the game was already over at that point but it was a nice little punctuation and I'm sure a very nice moment for him to make that play but you could see early on that Michigan was able to have success through the air, and, and no Sean Wade on the field meant more linebackers. And uh, if we're going to talk about one bad thing from this game, and I feel like it's our podcast um, mantra that, hey, we, we always got to talk about the negative if we're going to talk about all of the positive, even in games like this. Oh, boy, the linebacker play. I thought it improved. As the game went on, I, I thought that Baron Browning made some plays. Um, boy, I, I said it about Fields against a defense like Clemson. He'll probably have his struggles if that's a game that Ohio State plays. My big concern about this team, I've said it for a couple of weeks, even when people were saying, oh, they're, they're unbeatable, they don't have a flaw. And I've heard other people, even you know Joel Klatt yesterday and some national people say, Ohio State doesn't have a flaw they absolutely have a flaw, and it can be extremely fatal, and that's the linebacker play because Michigan does not have the fastest players. Even those receivers aren't burners. I, I don't think Ronnie Bell's a burner. Donovan Peoples-Jones isn't a burner. Nico Collins isn't a burner. Uh, Sean McCune, the tight end, certainly isn't a burner. And Pete Werner and Tuff Borland just got filleted yesterday and it wasn't just due to speed they just, they just looked like they were out of position they didn't look like they knew what they were doing and you can get away with that against Michigan especially because the defensive line played better as the game went on but boy am I concerned about how that looks even a, a team like Wisconsin Wisconsin's already seen them on film once they know their strengths they know their weaknesses that's something at this point where Honestly, guys, we just have to live with, like we've been saying for, for three years now, hey, these guys shouldn't be on the field. And I think that Pete Warner's probably had a, a much better season than Tough Borland. And, you know, he can at least make some plays. But, boy, 32 against a team like LSU or Clemson, that's a recipe for disaster. And I don't want to make it sound like I'm attacking him as a person or as a kid. I'm sure he's wonderful. But that scares me. <laughs> that really scares me in a, in a big-time matchup for Ohio State because it's something that really cost them against Michigan. And I don't know at this point if they're just not going to do it. I, I think that's the most logical thing is, hey, they, they trust him. He makes the calls. He's just going to be out on the field no matter what. They're going to say, well, he graded out really well. We kind of all know that's BS. Shouldn't be on the field. They should find something else to do. Where, where's Brandon White been? I know Josh Proctor was hurt and he was out for this game, but we heard so much about that bullet position before the season, and we've basically seen nothing of it. Maybe it's just because they they thought it wouldn't work, or against a team like Michigan, it's it's not the way to go. 
but I would prefer to see that, and hopefully that's something they work on uh, after this Big Ten championship game come bowl season or preparing for the college football playoff because they can absolutely not afford to have more than two linebackers on the field against a team like Clemson, against a team like LSU. Hell, even a team like Georgia that just likes to power ahead, run the ball, they absolutely cannot afford to do that. So that's my one negative spiel on this show. I know we all were probably thinking the same thing. Those guys got shredded, and I thought Michigan, give them credit for taking advantage of that. They clearly game plan for that and knew the weaknesses of Ohio State's defense. But uh, if Michigan can do that with their players, then teams like Clemson, LSU, Georgia, Oklahoma, they can definitely do it as well with faster players. So that is something I am very concerned about. Hopefully Sean Wade is healthy and ready to go so we don't even really have to worry about it to this extent come next week. But anything beyond that, uh, that's that's a big-time fear, and that's Ohio State's major weakness, and it can 100% lose them a game against another very good team. So that's all i got to say about that. Other thoughts here. Let's, let's see what I have written down. Um, the, the biggest sequence in this game to me and what, what changed it from, okay, this is a game, Michigan's playing tough, they're, they're ready to go, to, okay, Ohio State needs to step on their throats right now and blow them out, and they did, was the sequence where it was 21-13 to with six minutes left in the second. Michigan had a lot of momentum, not momentum, but they, they were just rolling. They were playing really well, and uh, they were down inside the 20, and Shea Patterson fumbled that snap. It was an unforced error, and right below that I had circled, remember this play. Ohio State gets the ball. I don't remember if they got a couple of first downs. Maybe they drove the ball. Maybe they didn't. But Michigan, whenever it was, they uh, they get them into the fourth and four. And then, who was it? Kalik Hudson jumps offside on that punt, gives Ohio State the first down. Uh, after that, there was the deep pass to, to Garrett Wilson. Maybe it was the play right after that one was the deep pass to Garrett Wilson. And then the immediate touchdown to J.K. Dobbins. Those two plays, I think, changed this game, and that effectively killed Michigan. That fumbled snap by Shea Patterson and the offsides on the punt. And for, for Michigan, it goes back to the talent thing. People want to talk about talent and uh, how, how big that gap is and that being the main reason for this rivalry being so one-sided. And it is. That, that is the main reason. But when guys like Shea Patterson and Kalik Hudson – or whoever that was that jumped offside. Maybe it was Carlo Kemp. I don't know. It was one of the two guys. Either way, all those guys are old, and uh, Carlo Kemp was the one who untied J.K. Dobbins' shoe. That play, too. You have three dudes from Michigan who I, I think are seniors. They're playing in their last game at Michigan Stadium, and they make brutal mistakes. That's the type of shit Ohio State doesn't do, and that is what separates these two teams just outside of the talent. And those two plays are what, for me, looking back on it, took this game from being a good game to, okay, if Ohio State mounts something up, they might start driving the stake into these dudes because Michigan gets the ball back. They drive down. It's 28-16. to Shea Patterson throws a really nice ball to Donovan Peoples-Jones in the end zone. And I think it was Jordan Fuller on the hit. Knocks it out. Incomplete. Michigan settles for a field goal for some reason. That's another thing. Michigan and Jim Harbaugh. 
down all game, number one team in the country. You've lost to them four years in a row, and you're kicking field goals. You're just playing like losers. That's that's just kind of what Michigan does in big spots. I I I I don't hate to say it, but I do hate to say it because I don't want to call anyone losers. But Michigan plays not to lose. I guess is a better way to put it, a nicer way to put it. But that fumbled snap, the offsides on the punt, and then Donovan Peoples-Jones, another guy. He's played in a lot of games at Michigan. He's a junior, but I, I would assume that he's probably on his way out. He's very talented, and he's a guy that could definitely leave for the NFL. But in a situation like that, for, for him to not catch that ball and come down with it when Michigan really needed it, that's just another one. It wasn't like it was Michigan scrubs or second stringers not making plays in this game. It was their first string guys that really folded under the moment and, and couldn't execute. And I know a lot of people noticed after it was 35-16 to 16 in the second half, as soon as Ohio State scored that, that first touchdown on the opening drive in the second half, Michigan's receivers in general looked like, I, I don't know what happened because they played so well at the start of the game. And then after Ohio State made it 35-16, to 16, they looked like they just tapped out. They, they were done. They were shook. Peoples-Jones dropped passes. Um, I think Nico Collins dropped a pass. Ronnie Bell dropped a pass. And these these were throws that maybe weren't completely on the money by Shea Patterson, but even when he was running for his life, he was doing the most that he could for them. And they just could not pick him up. And there was a point at this game where I thought, yeah, Michigan looks like they're done. Like they didn't quit, but they kind of just know like, no, here we go again. Here the the bad guys are after us and they they're putting a whooping on us again and this is this is what it is and Ohio State I think they smelled that because at that point the pass rush started to play better. We saw Jonathan Cooper who ended up playing and it's it, it'll be interesting to see if they change their mind about his plan and this being his last game and not playing in the Big 10 title game or not playing in the playoff if if they continue to sit him or if they're just like you know what we got a chance to win a national championship Jonathan Let's get you out there, bro. He decided to play in this game. I said all week Ohio State needed to find someone other than Chase Young to get pressure because Michigan really went out of their way to to block Chase Young and to make it as hard as possible on him. Uh, Jonathan Cooper stepped up and had a sack and had a couple of other pressures, which I I thought really took some of that stress off of Chase Young. And if you hear anyone say that he had a bad game, uh, just go back and watch him snap by snap. In the first half, his ass was getting held basically every single play. And in the second half, when it was just painfully, painfully obvious that Michigan had to throw, Chase Young didn't get any sacks, but he was in the backfield almost every single play, blowing plays up. Uh, he was there on, on the fourth and one, which really effectively ended the game. And uh, I, I thought if, if you go back and watch Chase Young, he played much better than, than people will have you believe in this game. So yeah, Michigan, their execution is, and that, that going back to that sequence and just their execution in general stood out to me. You can't make mistakes against any team doing that stuff, especially one as good as Ohio State. And whether it was that or the special teams plays, Michigan killed themselves on special teams. The missed extra point to start the game. The decision to even kick those field goals. And then you have the offsides on the punt. 
it, it was just a, a comedy of errors by Michigan, not only from the players, but from the coaching decisions to the execution. And when you have that talent gap and you add that, that's how you lose by 30 points at home on senior day to Ohio State, despite needing a win against them very badly and being a top 15 team. That's how that happens. A couple other things here, uh, since we're on the subject of special teams, the one play that prevented this from being an embarrassment was Garrett Wilson's fumble on the punt return. And I know that Michigan didn't, I don't even think they did anything with that drive. Maybe they, they got a field goal and it was 42 to uh, 19 at that point, but it gave Michigan enough life because I think if he just holds on to that one, Ohio State probably scores again. And then you start getting to the point where like, this is embarrassing. And I don't know for Michigan, if this was an embarrassing loss per se, as much as it was just like, Hey, Ohio State's the best team in the country. This might be their best team ever. And they really beat the brakes off of us. Uh, Ohio State made a couple of mistakes on their end that kept this from being like a 65 to 20 game, which I would have liked to see what the reaction would have been then because as bad as last year's was, I almost guys like maybe this is a hot take. Please let me know what you think about this. I almost think this year's was worse than last year's. Ohio State beat them down this year, and Michigan was able to put up yards this season. They were able to put up yards and points late in last year's game, but the totality of this beatdown I felt was just more thorough because it, it wasn't just Ohio State beating a dumb defensive coordinator who couldn't figure out like, hey, they're just running crossing routes every single play. Ohio State was beating them at pretty much doing anything. And they had to go out of their way to block the best player in the country. And still the defense was able to improve as the game went on. Sean Wade was out. And I don't know, just just for me, maybe I'm not making good points to back that up. I almost feel like this ass whooping was more thorough than the one they put on Michigan last year. And probably a lot of that is due to that it was a road game. And to go into Ann Arbor and beat Michigan by 30 is kind of unprecedented. But I don't know. Something about this game to me, this one is a lot is dependent on what happens the rest of the season and and how much you want to go back and watch. Like if Ohio State wins a national championship, you know, you'll go back and watch every single game in this one in particular. But I have a feeling that no matter what happens, I am always going to love going back and watching this particular game against Michigan because it was it was just awesome. I'm getting near the end here, so I'm just trying to hit everything that I had written down for this game. Uh, the two fourth and one stops, I mentioned the, the first one a little bit earlier. Big Bob Landers, what a way for him to finish off his career against Michigan. Got the fumble recovery, really blew up that play, uh, the, the Wildcat play, which inf- infamously, if you look on Twitter, if, if that dude just follows his blocks, he probably has a really huge gain. And at that point, it was a 15-point game, and I, I still think that it... At that juncture of the game, it wasn't close because Michigan wasn't figuring out a way to stop Ohio State. If Ohio State wasn't scoring, it was either because Chris Olave dropped that easy touchdown on the second and one, and then Ohio State took a false start on the third and one and had to punt the ball away, kind of self-inflicted wounds to go along with the muff punt by Garrett Wilson. But Michigan wasn't doing anything to stop them. But as soon as they got that fourth and one stop, game was effectively over, and then later on there was... Uh, there was the fourth and three stop in the fourth quarter, which I believe was the Amir Ripe interception or the, the Amir Ripe uh, knockdown play over the middle. So great to see the defense end this game on a high note. They, they didn't really let Michigan at the end of it 
score a lot of points or make the game look closer than it really was. So that, that may not mean anything, but I think for some of the younger guys and the guys that were in there, a guy like Amir Ripe to, to make that play at the end of a game, that's a big confidence booster. And it's just, it's the right way to finish a game. So I, I thought that the defense for all the warts we saw yesterday, they were able to just shut Michigan down in the end when they really need to. And that's, that that's good going forward. Got to give a shout out to Austin Mack for the touchdown. And he had a really nice catch on the play that uh, Fields got injured on. Mack has had a couple of very impressive sideline catches this season. And I know that Patrick and I uh, talked kind of at length about Chris Olave and Austin Mack kind of being in his spot for the Penn State game and that not making sense. I'll eat my words on the way that he played against Michigan because not only is he a great run blocker, which Patrick referenced, but uh, the, the screen play and that catch on the play that Fields got hurt on, uh, showcased when, when he's healthy, he's a very valuable um, asset to this offense. And just great to see Austin Mack in his senior year making plays, running over a Michigan player at the goal line. Uh, you truly do love to see it. And then finally, Ryan Day owns Don Brown. Like, what what else can you say other than he just owns Don Brown. I know the stats flying around there, but the last two years, 118 points and 1,144 yards for the Ohio State offense against Michigan. And by the way, that should probably be about 20 points more and maybe 200 yards more because Ohio State's really taken their foot off the gas in the last two fourth quarters against Michigan. I I was saying it on Twitter that I don't know whether it's more disrespectful to leave the starters in against Michigan or you're at the point where like, nah, we don't even want to score against you guys. We're going to throw the backups in the game. That is to put your backups in against Michigan is uh, that that's when you know you're doing some very, very good things. So Ryan Day, he owns Don Brown and I would say I'm not the only one that would say this, but um, for for Jim Harbaugh, Don Brown, for anyone associated with Michigan football in a power, a position of power that when you say something, it's going to go out. Just shut up about Ohio State. Until you win that game, just be quiet because we, we talked about it. The hunger is already there for them. Ohio State doesn't need any extra motivation coming into this game. The last 20 years should show you that. And then when you open your mouth and you say stuff like, oh, we're getting better too. Ohio State better be careful. You know, Ryan Day Ryan Day took care of that pretty pretty swiftly, and he's taken care of that the last three seasons against Michigan. So Don Brown might want to just leave it on silent next time, my man. Oh, and while I'm on making fun of Michigan, which I guess has just been this whole episode, um, Alabama's loss to Auburn not only knocks Alabama out of the playoff race, but sets up a very delightful scenario of Alabama and Michigan playing in a bowl game. And I know a lot of Ohio State fans will be like, oh, who would I even root for in that one? Like, no, I I want Alabama to play Michigan. I want to see that game, and I want to see Alabama just beat them by about 45 points. There would be no better way for Michigan's season to end than them getting crushed by 30 at home against Ohio State, and then for them to have to play Alabama. You think... Michigan's defense couldn't handle Ohio State's receivers in that offense, even with Mac Jones at quarterback. What are they going to do against those Alabama receivers? That's going to be a field day. So I'm praying that, uh, you know, not not just playoff stuff this year, but bowl games. If there's going to be one bowl game, I want it so badly to be Alabama and Michigan. Please, bowl gods, let's make it happen. 
that's about it for uh, for today's show. I'm I'm 45 minutes in. I hit everything I wanted to hit. Uh, I could have gone two or three hours about this game. I'm still gonna uh, rewatch it later on today, and I'm sure I'll come up with uh, some more takes. Oh, lastly, while I'm on that, Damon Arnett played his ass off for three years. I kind of trashed him on this podcast. I didn't think he was very good. This year, he's been very good. He had a damn cast on his hand, and he was making plays. So, Damon Arnett, I was wrong. You're a stud. Way to ball out. Had to get that in there. Um, but that's that's pretty much it. I'll think of some other stuff. We'll talk about it on the preview episode for Wisconsin. Let's let's start shifting into that, and then we can talk about big picture stuff, guys. Hopefully, Ohio State goes in, takes care of business in the Big Ten title game, and then we can we can really start talking about this team taking that that next level up because right now like I said and many other people have said as well this is the most Ohio most impressive Ohio State team I've ever seen but 12 and 0 is great it's awesome we're always going to remember how wonderful this regular season is but now they have a chance to do something really really special and it all starts this week as they get ready to play Wisconsin and hey don't don't sleep on Wisconsin I know that Ohio State has had their number but if there's one team that I am not going to overlook it's going to be Wisconsin so we're going to start breaking into that matchup later on this week probably talk to people from Bucky's fifth quarter again about Wisconsin what they think about the uh the rematch and we'll talk about that game drop that episode on Wednesday and then of course Sunday have the uh, have the recap for the Big Ten title game, and then, God willing, talk about some playoff action with Ohio State. So we'll get to that as this week goes on. Make sure to stay tuned to everything we got going on at LandGrantHolyLand.com. Follow the site on Twitter at LandGrant33. Follow the show on Twitter if you want to get involved at HolyLandPod. I am at Dubsco, and you can find all my writing on LandGrantHolyLand. Um, please subscribe to the show if you like this episode or any of the previous episodes. I try to do my best here with these solo podcasts. I hope they're good and not too preachy or rambling. I just like to to go with the flow and see where it takes me. But let me know what you think about how I'm doing on the show here. Go to Apple Podcasts, leave a review, leave a star rating. It helps other people find the show. And it's stuff that I look at. I want to give you guys the best possible audio product. I know there's a lot of Ohio State podcasts out there and a lot of good ones a lot of ones better than this so i really appreciate you guys taking the time to listen and uh, i want to make this one as best as i can so leave that feedback there and follow along on spotify just search land grant holy land all right that's it for today's show ohio state's 12 and 0 we're going to talk about wisconsin on wednesday i'm super fired up about that i hope you guys had a wonderful thanksgiving hope you get home safe from wherever you were if you were out of town and uh i can't wait to talk to you guys later this week So that's it. My name is Colton Denning. This is the Hangout in the Holy Land. And go Bucks.